Welcome to Love Your Heart, brought to you by Cleveland Clinic's Seidel and Arnold Miller Family Heart and Vascular Institute. These podcasts will help you learn more about your heart, thoracic, and vascular systems, ways to stay healthy, and information about diseases and treatment options. Enjoy. Good afternoon and welcome to another podcast uh, from the Heart and Vascular Institute at Cleveland Clinic. My name is Lee Kirksey. I'm a vice chair of vascular surgery here at the Cleveland Clinic. And I'm happy to be joined today by a, a couple of friends and uh, colleagues to discuss what I want is a topic de dear to me in the form of healthcare disparities. And whether you look at hypertension or heart failure or cardiovascular disease, healthcare disparities along socioeconomic racial and ethnic lines exist. And I think that's one of the key issues here at the Heart and Vascular Institute is that we're working and exploring on ways that we can reduce some of these healthcare disparities. So with me today, I have Herb Pleasant. Uh, he's a, a friend, colleague, and a former employee of the Cleveland Clinic, who's also at some point become a patient of the Cleveland Clinic. And he'll join us to discuss his experience working with the Cleveland Clinic Heart and Vascular Institute as a patient and a, as a um, healthcare consultant. And we also have with us Umesh Colt, Dr. Umesh Colt, who's the quality, director of quality for the Heart and Vascular Institute, and who also wears another hat as the director of our community cardiovascular medicine program. So a couple of very uh, expert and distinguished individuals to discuss this idea of healthcare disparity. So maybe I'll begin with you, Dr. Cote. Maybe you can tell me a little bit about healthcare disparities as you see them within cardiology and cardiovascular medicine. So I think that, you know, what we're seeing and noticing uh, in a lot of different areas uh, is that uh, both from the standpoint of uh, individuals with lower socioeconomic backgrounds of, of all races, and then also uh, minority populations such as African Americans, we see a very high incidence of risk factors that start at an early age that then translate into disease that happens, again, often decades earlier than others. And then when it does tend to happen, it tends to happen in very serious events. And so sometimes uh, when the first time the disease presents, it's often catastrophic, uh, leading to early death. And so I think that what we're seeing is that we really need to tackle this uh, at a much more aggressive level to get these risk factors under control so that we postpone or permanently prevent the disease from happening so that these people uh, across the board can live a longer life uh, free of cardiovascular disease. Sure, I mean, I think it's, it's interesting when we look at whether it's essential hypertension at an early stage in life or um, as we know, the general population and certainly in minority communities, diabetes is occurring uh, increasingly earlier in life. When we put all these uh, comorbidities together, we certainly see that certain communities are adversely affected with the prevalence of the disease. And it's hard to parse that out in terms of what are the social components of it and whether the what are the biologic components of it, but we know it exists. But then once into the healthcare system, there are a number of studies that suggest that uh, potentially outcomes are not as good within minority and lower socioeconomic groups. And maybe you can speak to some of the 
you know, historical data on heart catheterization and how these services are offered. So I think that, as you mentioned, is that, you know, if you, in the, the impact on this is so great that in certain areas that ha are, have uh, low socioeconomic and minority populations, the life expectancy is uh, 10 to 20 years lower on average, and mu much of it is driven by cardiovascular disease. So I think it's a very serious problem. Uh, in terms of uh, access to care, I think, one, first of all, the most important thing of access is first for people to get into the healthcare system. So a lot of people we find uh, are often either not connected to the healthcare system or only arrive in the healthcare system in an emergency. So we've never really had an opportunity to engage them at a point where we could actually prevent something. So I think that's a big problem. And as you mentioned, once they do get in the healthcare system, at least we know when we look at across the entire country, then there are some discrepancies in terms of how patients are treated, uh, in terms of certain therapies, heart catheterizations and angioplasties. And we really should have a system where that if the patient comes in with the disease and it's appropriate for them to be treated in a particular way, that everybody should get treated that same way. There really shouldn't be that uh, you know, difference as far as that. And so I think those are some of the things that opportunities that we, we need to work on across the country to improve this for everyone. That, that seems to be a perfect uh, segue to introduce uh, your story and uh, fortunately what is a, a favorable and, and, and good outcome for you, Herb. Um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your background. You know that you worked uh, in the Cleveland Clinic and as a consultant to the Cleveland Clinic. What, what's your background? Tell sure. So uh, background is, is engineering and uh, I've also have a healthcare MBA. And so I've um, managed facilities and I work collaboratively with the system. And so it's truly a, a teaming approach to delivering the world-class healthcare uh, that Cleveland Clinic is capable of. Um, so you've been around, grown up in healthcare in your professional career, and then all of a sudden you find that you're not feeling well. Um, how do you, how does a person familiar with the healthcare system but not a physician or a provider, how do you navigate that process? Sure. So when when I was originally diagnosed, it was through my yearly, um, let's say, executive physical. Um, but I was regular with my visits to the hospital and so forth. And so, um, but as it was diagnosed, I mean, from day one, you know, Hillcrest Hospital, uh, they began to put me on a path. But, you know, my situation was one where I felt, in my mind, I felt fine. Sure. Until after I got treated did I realize that my regular norm had become a weary, tired herb. And then after the treatment and uh, following some of the recommendations, you know, I'm back to living a full life today. You know? Sure. Um, but I will say that uh, for African Americans and myself, my friends, you know, the accessibility was easy for me, but also the trust, you know, finding physicians. And some of it is uh, it helps to have physicians that look like you, that give you a comfort and say, Herb. This is like putting on a parachute. You know, you have to trust the science, you have to trust the technology, and just do it. And so I look back and, um, you know, th all those things are important. And then the impact that your family has. Um, for your family to be 
collaboratively with you a part of the decisions that you make and you're, as you move forward, the recommendations of the physician. Sure. Um, so, does that answer? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that's interesting to me, uh, you as a friend that I know and understand your personality and your you're appropriately inquisitive and the first person that popped into my mind when you said hey you know I'd like to see a cardiologist who would you recommend and I know that Umesh as a physician that I refer a lot of patients to has a has a knowledge base but is able to convey to patients what is going on with them and what his management strategy is and convey it in a way that they understand and are have some buy-in, sure. right? Which is the reason that I uh, initially referred uh, you to him. So Umesh, maybe you can tell me a little bit about your approach because I think there is a degree of trust that is, is, is explicit when a person, a physician explains the plan and get some collaborative buy-in as opposed to foist that plan upon a patient. So I think that you know the most important thing that I think patients come to us for is to make sure that we get them an accurate diagnosis. And so you know in your case one of the things we had to do is there were some puzzle pieces that we weren't sure exactly how things fit in and so we actually had to spend a little bit of time to sort of say okay well it sort of looks like this way and then uh, it turns out once we got a few more puzzle pieces we said no this is a little bit different and so I think that we spent a good amount of time early on saying okay do we really know what we're dealing with in terms of the diagnosis uh, and then we came up with a treatment plan and implemented that and then over time we had to actually make a little bit of adjustment in the treatment plan as far as that so I think that part of the role of, of, of our, as physicians is to establish that diagnosis, establish that treatment plan, but then also be willing to adjust it if things uh, need to go into a different direction. And that was part of our journey together in terms of that is that uh, we, we took a little bit of time to get to the correct diagnosis and then, you know, work on a couple different avenues to get your heart back in shape. I, I think uh, what made a difference for me, and I will say, Dr. Cote, you know, the, the emotional intelligence that he showed in recognizing, you know, the engineering brain, the analytical that I am. And so he had the, the graphs, he had the data, he had all the things that connected with me personally. Now, for someone else, it may have been something a little bit different, mm -hmm. but, it, uh, but it worked for me and it developed a trust. And I'm so thankful for the introduction to yourself and the other staff members that all had a, um, that had positive input in the process. Yeah, I think the, the other component of that, for, we're fortunate enough to work at the Cleveland Clinic in a system where we don't necessarily feel the need to churn. Uh, sometimes you have to recognize that you slow down, you develop some rapport with the patient, and I think we all feel that that's important within our practices because the, matter, the fact of the matter is that in the Heart and Vascular Institute, most patients have chronic disease states, which you'll develop long-term relationships, and that's really one of the reasons that I enjoy working with our, our patient population. So maybe you can tell me a little bit about your, you know, your spouse, your children, the role that that plays in motivating a, a person. I know that, you know, as an African-American man, I understand that there are some many times reluctance uh, to, to uh, go out and 
seek, seek out the appropriate health care and there needs sure. to be some motivating factors in your life. There needs to be a, a, a why, right? Yes. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll never forget when they first diagnosed me, they were herp. Are you tired? And in my mind, I was like, I'm just like any other man. I get tired, I go home, I take a nap, and I get back at it, right? And uh, my wife, she noticed that, you know, something wasn't quite right, but she wasn't sure. And so, you know, very blessed, thankful to have her as part of the process for us. But the motivation is that, you, you know, I've got young kids, and uh, I wanted to do the right thing. And I think in every family, there is something that really motivates you. And I like to say 100% of the cases, it's your family that motivates you to take the steps because you want to be around for your, your, your loved ones. Yeah. Um, that, with that, though, the um, you know, opportunities for families to get educated as a group because what it does, it causes accountability, whether it's diet, whether it's nutrition, um, when everybody's hearing the same thing, it creates accountability within the household. Sure. You know, if, if I walk in eating chips and sugar, then my, my uh, 10 year old, he can say, hey dad, that's, that's not good for you. You know, you cut back a little bit. Sure. And so um, that part of it has been a, um, an impactful part and a, a growing education in, in the household. Absolutely, and you know, fortunately, the beneficiary of that is, is your children as they learn how sure. to lead a much healthier life. So it has some generational impact. Uh, Dr. Cote, so maybe with regards to some, for those listening, with regards to some specific chronic disease states treated within Heart and Vascular Institute, where would you say that the Heart and Vascular Institute of Cleveland Clinic shines? Heart failure? Um, so I think the biggest thing, uh, you know, I can talk in general in cardiology and I'll talk about Cleveland Clinic. Yeah. I think that in general in cardiology, I think it's very important for patients and families to understand that heart disease, along with these risk factors, it's not inevitable that you're going to die. There are many people who, you know, have, have families where, you know, people die at young ages and they just sort of think this is the way it is. Sure. And I think that has changed completely. We have treatments for almost everything now. And so there are very few conditions that a patient would come to me that I would say, oh, there's no hope for you. So I think it's very important for people to understand that even if they've had situations where they've had a very aggressive family history or family members who've all died at a young age, which is very common, that they should engage if they're starting to develop these problems to control them as far as that. As far as us at you know, Heart and Vascular, I think the, you know, we, we have a very strong team-based care approach. And so in, the, you know, in a number of our situations, we have situations where not just one physician's enough. You need to have two or three, and we work very well in terms of connecting that. Uh, you know, for example, I mean, I've worked with you in terms of vascular surgery, and you contact me on heart patients and vice versa. You know, we've had, uh, so I think that that's where we really shine is that if you have a situation that's, uh, you know, particularly complex um, and potentially life-threatening, then you know that's where particularly um, you know coming here at Cleveland Clinic uh, can really help you in terms of that. Absolutely, no, no, I, I agree, and it, it's funny you say that because I had a patient earlier today when I was seeing patients who has a seven-centimeter aneurysm that he's known about, but he's fallen out of his yearly follow-up with his physician and ultimately referred. And I said, 
you know, what happened? Why didn't you follow up? And he said, well, you know, my father died of an aneurysm and, you know, the treatments are, they're nearly as deadly as the process itself. And I said, well, that was 20 years ago and the treatments have evolved and hopefully we do surgery uh, better, but sometimes people make decisions based, somewhat ill-informed decisions based upon the history and what's familiar to them. Uh, so, you know, I, I would say that this has turned out to be a, an excellent experience. I hope that your story shared with other folks will allow people to kind of look at their potential medical problems and recognize that it just takes one step to kind of seek out sure. the appropriate health care. And the, the biggest thing I tell people is if you get to the Cleveland Clinic, as Dr. Coates said, we will find the doctor, the team of physicians, the providers that can treat you appropriately. Sure. No matter what problem you have, right. we have an experience that can get patients optimized and on with their, with their life uh, with a degree of compassion mm -hmm. that I think is un, unmatched. Um, any, any final comments that you might have for that person sitting there wondering if how they're going to get past this process? Right. No, in closing, I mean, you, you have to trust medicine. There's a lot of technology. I mean, you look at the technology and how things have progressed in the, just the last five years. And so you have to be proactive in getting this information. It's out there, but somehow we have to get patients, get people to trust the process, trust the system, and know that, um, you know, the, the physicians and the clinicians here. I wasn't fortunate enough to be a clinician or a physician, but I was on the support services side of healthcare, and my whole goal and what drove me in my heart was the idea that I could be part of the delivery system to help people. And so uh, I just encourage folks, it's like, hey, you've got insurance, go to the doctor, do your regular, you know, this, my situation was identified in just a yearly physical. So at a minimum, do that and uh, just trust the system. You got to trust people, you got to trust the system. Sure. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate the time that both of you have spent with us and certainly Herb sharing that personal story of your successful outcome. Um, so again, podcasts from the Heart Ambassador Institute, Lee Kirksey, Herb Pleasant, and Dr. Ames Colt. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. We welcome your comments and feedback. Please contact us at heart at ccf.org. Like what you heard? Please subscribe and share the link on iTunes.